church do you have joy this morning do you have joy during this advent season advent simply means the arrival we celebrate we honor we recognize we remember the arrival of Jesus during this Christmas season and I don't know about you but that's enough to have joy and so often in life we allow the enemy to take our joy to steal our joy we allow our circumstance to take our joy we allow our situation to take our joy and it's time to get back what cannot be taken our joy is in the Lord and so often we mistake and we replace and we and we crisscross this aspect of being happy and having joy as the video said happiness is not the same of, as joy. I, I like to say that, that happiness comes from happenings and joy comes from the Lord. No matter what you're going through today, no matter what you're facing, we need to be joyful in the Lord. The fact that, that Jesus came from the throne room of heaven to come to this earth, to be fully God, to be fully man, to be born in a lowly place, in a, in a cave with animals, to be an example for our lives, to teach us how to live, how to speak, how to walk, how to talk, how to treat others, to pay a price that we could not pay on our own, to bridge a gap we would never be able to cross. And that happened on, on Calvary's Hill on the cross where the blood of Jesus was shed so that you and I could enter into a relationship with him and spend eternity with the Father when we leave this earth. I don't know if that's enough for you, but it's enough for me to say I choose joy. We get to have joy this morning. We get to have joy this season. We get to have joy in all of our life because our joy comes from the Lord. Amen and amen. I'm fired up this morning. I'm excited. I'm honored to be able to speak to you today. Thank you so much for joining us. If you don't know who I am, well, we're hitting wide open fifth gear here, but my name is Brian Wood. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, man, I'm just thrilled that we get to teach from God's Word. We get to celebrate this Christmas season, and you are a part of that this morning. And so I want to open in prayer, and then we're going to jump right in. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for the joy that we have in you. We thank you for the arrival of our Savior through the busyness of this season. I pray that we reflect on that, that we, we remember that, we recognize the real reason for the season, and that's you, the Savior, who came for each of us. I pray that you open our eyes today, open our hearts, allow us to hear from your word. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen and amen. Well, hey, 
We are on the descent uh, in our series, Follow Me. We're going through the book of James, and uh, we're in the last chapter. And so we're going to finish up next week. Uh, and so we're going to have a big part to cover today. And then next week, we're going to finish up this series. And um, as, we, as we talk about Advent, as we talk about this aspect of arrival, um, James, where we're going to be today, is talking also about an arrival, but he's not talking about the arrival that we celebrate in Christmas. He talks about the arrival that we get to celebrate in days to come whenever God chooses, and that is the arrival of Jesus Christ coming back to earth, the second coming. And he talks a lot about this today, and I want to I stay in the context of the passage. I don't want to get away from that, but I also want to kind of... Uh, uh, overlap and, and, and interweave some principles that are from this same idea that we're going to talk about today. And it's an idea, it's a thought, it's a topic that I'm going to speak on and teach on today that, that probably none of us want to hear if I'm being honest. And you say, well, what is that? And it's simply this, be patient, be patient. Man, we don't want to talk about being patient. We don't want to be patient. We don't want to ask about patience. We don't want to pray for patience. Like, we don't want to talk about this. But James makes it very clear throughout this letter, throughout the section that we're going to be covering today, that we are to be patient. And so if you've been following along, we've tried to cover uh, mostly all the main topics, main themes throughout James. We have skipped over a few verses and challenged you um, to read those on your own, to study those on your own. Uh, but I hope that you've seen throughout the book of James, one of the most practical books on what it looks like for you and I to live and follow Jesus. That's the whole title of this series is follow me. What does it look like to follow Jesus? Not just making a decision to say, I believe in you, but to truly follow him with all that we have. And so we're going to skip the first six verses in chapter number five today and cover uh, verses 7 through 11. And so, uh, again, I, I, I'm not saying that the first six verses aren't valuable and not worth talking about, but for sake of, of time, for sake of where we are as a church and the things that are coming in the weeks ahead, uh, we're going to hit this section today. And then next week, we're going to finish up starting in verse 12, and we're going to finish the entire chapter. And uh, I'm excited about that as well. Listen, if you don't come to in-person service, uh, you're going to want to be there next week as we finish this series. Uh, we're going to do something a little bit different. It's going to be special, and I'm looking forward to it. But so let, let's jump in, and then we'll start breaking this thing down. So James chapter 5, 7 through 11, it says, Be patient. Therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. 
And so before we jump in, we talked about this several times throughout this series, but as we get ready to, again, make the descent, I want to remind you again, because it's so important as we get ready to dive into what we're looking at today, the reason, the purpose, the context of why James is writing this letter to begin with. We know that James is writing to the early Jewish Christians and they were facing persecution, meaning they were going through some tough times, they were in some valleys, some struggles, some tribulations, things were happening around them that they didn't necessarily want to have to go through or maybe wouldn't sign up for on their own. But because they chose to follow Jesus, they signed up for it. And he talks about several different themes that we've covered over weeks. And just as a reminder, James talks about it. He teaches his audience. And now we get to learn from it to surrender everything that we have. He talks about the the fruit of our faith, that that faith without works is dead. And that as we live our lives following Jesus, our lives should should reflect that in our actions and our words and our deeds, the fruit that comes out of our lives. He talks about watching our mouth, the way that we speak, the words that come out of our mouth. He talks about not being double-minded. Don't say you follow Jesus, but, but live this way. We talk about, uh, James talks about, and we've talked about not building your own kingdom, but building the kingdom of God. We talked about not wasting our time in, in, in senseless arguments and quarrels, arguing with people that, that it doesn't even matter. We talked about several other things, but today he continues as they're facing this persecution and he's saying, be patient. I need you to be patient. I know you may not understand what's happening. I know you may not like what's happening. I, may, I know that, that, that what is going on in your life doesn't fully make sense, but I just need you to be patient. Be patient, church. We have to be patient. And boy, is it hard. It's so hard to be patient. And again, just as a reminder, let me say this again. I said it a while ago. The context, as we've already just just seen in these couple verses, James is saying, I want you to be patient because Jesus is coming back. And, and again, I don't want to take that out of context, but, but as I said, I want, to, I want to bring some principles that apply to us right now as well. But, but ultimately, as we're living our lives following Jesus, as we're living our lives doing everything that we can to pursue him, we're being patient in the things that are happening today, knowing that we got to be patient, waiting on him to return. And so through this, this passage that we've just looked at, Um, James gives three uh, examples, illustrations, um, people, if you will, um, to use as a way to drive in this point of saying, be patient. And the audience would have known this all too well. They would have known every example that James had gave and given. They, they, they would have understood it. They would have known exactly this, this, this illustration, this analogy, this metaphor, whatever you want to use that James was trying to use to drive in this point. And I think that as we dive into this, You'll understand it too. And if not, I'll, I'll do some teaching around each of these three examples and illustrations that he gives to help drive in. And so I'm not making up some clever point today. I don't have three points. I we're just going to dive into the text. And so I want, us, I want us to look at, at three of the examples that he gave us and, and the meaning behind it and the, the richness, if you will, of what he means and why he chose to talk about these people groups or this type of person to drive in this, drive in this point of, 
of being patient, okay? I hope that makes sense. If it doesn't, it will in just a moment. But the first one that James talks about, he talks about the farmer. He's saying, be patient like the farmer. Look at this verse in 7 and 8. He says, be patient. Therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth? being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So he says, be patient like the farmer. And I want you to be patient just like that over and over. He's like, be patient, be patient, be patient, be patient like the farmer. And he gives a couple things that the farmer has to do. And, and it's easy for us to kind of read this verse and be like, okay, be patient like a farmer. Ooh, whoopee-doo. This is so rich. This verse is so rich. And he talks about the farmer having to wait until the early rain. And then he talks about the farmer having to wait until the late rain. And you say, well, what does that even mean? Oh, man, there's so much here. Listen, the farmer has to be patient. It doesn't mean that the farmer, farmer doesn't wait. It doesn't mean that the farmer doesn't do work. It doesn't mean that the farmer sits back and just says, okay, God, here I am. I'm a farmer. Do what you got to do. No, the farmer has to do what he has to do to get things ready, but he also has to wait on things that he has no control over. Hence, the first and second rain. The first rain that James is talking about and what this means in the original language that he's talking about is the first rain came in the fall. Meaning, the farmer had to wait until the first rain came so that the rain would come, it would wet the ground, and he would then begin to prepare the soil. But he could not begin to till the soil, to prepare the soil, to prep the soil, to do all the work that he needed to do to get ready for planting season until the rain came. Meaning, he had to wait. He had to be patient. And then the rain would come and he would get ready and he would do all his prep work and he would get ready for planting season. And then once it got warmer, as we're going into the spring, he would then place his seed into the ground. When the timing was right, he had to be patient and wait on that time to come. And then he would put the seed in the ground and then he would have to wait again. He would have to be patient. He would have to wait on the second rain. The second rain came in the spring and he had to wait on that rain to come and allow it to penetrate and give the seed the moisture that it needed to sprout up and then grow and then he would reap his harvest in the days, weeks to come. He had to be patient. The farmer had to wait a long time. The farmer had to work while he was waiting. The farmer had to focus on the things that he could focus on. The farmer had to do the things that only he could do. And the farmer had to trust God to provide what he needed to provide. And he couldn't do anything until the first rain came. And he did his work. And then he couldn't do anything again until the second rain came. But you know what? The farmer didn't quit. The farmer was looking forward to his reward one day. The farmer would trust that the rain would come. He would trust that he did his part. God was going to do his part, but he had to be patient through the entire time. He couldn't make his crops grow. He couldn't make it rain. 
He could only do the things that he had control of. How much of our lives look like this? Listen, I wonder today if there's anybody who's listening, who's watching this today, who's been waiting on that first rain. You feel like the timing is about to be right to do something in your life. Maybe it's stepping out to make a decision. Maybe it's applying for a new job. Maybe it's leaving an old job. Maybe it's changing things up. Maybe it's I'm just waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting on the time. Listen, the first rain, it's coming. I need you to be patient. Or maybe you're listening today and you're waiting on the second rain. You say, God, I've tried to be faithful. I put in the work. I put my seeds in the ground. I prep the soil. I keep doing this and I keep doing that and I'm doing everything that I feel like you're asking me to do. I do everything that I feel like you're calling me to do. I'm, I'm pursuing you. I'm striving to glorify you and honor you, but my gracious God, I need the second rain because I feel like I'm not seeing any fruit, any return, any rewards of my labor. And James would say to us, I need you to be patient. Maybe that thing you've been praying for, that thing you've been begging for, that thing you've been pleading for, that thing you don't understand. God wants to say to us, I need you to be patient. Maybe you look around and you see our society today and you ask God, why would you allow this to happen? God, I'm concerned about our country. What's going on? God, I don't understand what's happening Be patient. Be patient. And it's so hard to do. It's so hard to be patient, especially when we don't understand what's happening. It's so hard to be patient because we always feel like we have to do something. We always feel like it's up to us. We always feel like we're the ones in control. Whether you say it, whether you articulate it, that's what comes out of our heart when we choose not to be patient is God. I trust you, but not really. Because I got to do what I got to do to make this happen, and I'm not going to be patient to wait on you. We got to be patient. We got to be patient. And I feel like there are so many reasons why this is so hard. But I think one of the biggest ones is because of the society and the world that we live in, meaning we don't have to be patient for much in life. We have access to everything and anything at any time. If we want it, we can get it. All we got to do is pull out that smart device. Click, 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 click. Amazon's at the door the next day. Chick-fil-A's there in 15 minutes. Whatever we want, we can get it. And so we don't have to be patient. And the busyness of life, all the noise of life, all the distractions of life, all the voices that are speaking to us in life, they absolutely pollute our minds and say, go, 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 now, get it down, don't wait, go, you got to do this. We feel this pressure, we don't know how to be patient. I I was thinking about a story that, that fit this, because I feel like one of the reasons we're not patient is because we've gotten out of tune with God, and here's, here's a, a great illustration for this. There, there was a story of, uh, of a country boy who was, who was meeting with a city boy, right? Me and Pastor Jay, okay? And, and, and they're walking down this busy sidewalk, and there's people everywhere. They're in this city. There's, there's noise everywhere. All you hear is cars and taxis and horns and, and, and just noise everywhere. And they're walking down the road, and the country boy looks over at his city boyfriend, and he says, hey, what do you hear right now? 
And the city boy kind of looked over at him and just laughed and chuckled. He said, what do you mean? He's like, what do you hear? He said, well, I hear horns. I hear cars. I hear people talking. I hear a lot of commotion. All I hear is just a bunch of noise. He said, why do you ask me that? What do you hear? And the country boy said, I hear a cricket. And he looked at him. He said, what? He said, I hear a cricket. He said, no, you don't. You don't hear no cricket. There's no way you hear a cricket in downtown with all of this noise going on. He said, no, I hear a cricket. He's like, show me. He said, watch this. And he took three steps forward and there was a brick wall along the sidewalk near the bus stop. And he reached back behind and guess what? Lo and behold, there was a cricket and he pulled the cricket out and he said, here's the cricket. He said, how did you hear the cricket? He said, let me show you something. And he pulled a piece of uh, a 50 cent piece out of his pocket and he dropped it on this metal piece by the bus stop. And he said, people turned around and looked to see what that noise was. And he looked at the city boy. He said, can I tell you something? That piece of money that I dropped, that sound was no louder than the chirping of the cricket. How come nobody heard the cricket, but everybody turned around when I dropped a piece of money on metal? He said, what happened? He said, you want to know? He said, you're so in tune with all the busyness and the noise that's around your life that you're missing out on the noise that I hear. You will listen and you will hear the things that you are in tune with. Church, do you know what I'm trying to say? We've got to stop allowing the world, the noise, the distractions, the busyness to press in on us and say, you don't have to be patient. You got to go and you got to tighten up and you got to work harder and you got to do more. We need to be in tune with the voice of God. And sometimes, a lot of times, all the time, we have to be still. We have to get quiet. We have to be patient. Because when we hear the voice of God, it provides a peace that surpasses all understanding. When we hear the voice of God, we get guidance, we get wisdom, we get clarity. And it's a whole lot easier when you hear the voice of the Father and know that you're in tune with Him to be patient. I don't want to add anything that's not there, but I find it interesting that James spends all of this time in his letter talking about all these other aspects that essentially lead one to following Jesus closer and closer and closer. And after all of that happens, now he's talking about being patient. I wonder how much we miss out on because we're not in tune with God. I wonder how much we push, 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 push And we go places we shouldn't go. We do things we shouldn't do. We end up at places that God doesn't want us because we chose to take things into our own matters. What would happen if the farmer didn't wait and he went out and he started pulling his crop too early because he didn't have any more patience? What would happen if he didn't have patience and he planted his seed in the ground too early? What would happen if he went out there and he tried to prep the soil before the first rain? Like, do you understand? God is not just the God of timing. He's the God of time. And we got to be patient. 
We've got to be patient like the farmer. Okay? You with me? All right. Number two, the prophets. He uses this example. He says this in verse 10, as an example of suffering and patience. Woo! He don't just say as an example of being patient. He says, an example of suffering and patience, brothers take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. He's using this word suffering and patience together for a very specific reason. Why? Because of what they were facing. They were suffering through persecution. They were being pressed in on all these different sides. And he's saying, I need you to be patient. How many times in our life do we go through things that are hard and challenging? We have trials, we have tribulations, and it's hard. It's it's, it's, it's like suffering, essentially. And we don't want to be patient because we don't understand. We don't get it. He says, no, that's not what I want you to do because guess what happens? Verse 11, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast, who remain steadfast patient. So he said, I know you're facing some hard times. I know you're going through some things. I need you to be patient. And from that patience, you will be blessed. This isn't prosperity. But when we're patient, we learn more about who God is. When we're patient, we stay in the will of the Father. And one of the prophets that he was talking about was the prophet Jeremiah. I don't know if you know a lot about Jeremiah and for sake of time, I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about him. But listen, Jeremiah faced some persecution. He faced some tribulation. He faced some affliction. As a matter of fact, he was, he was placed in stocks, meaning they had this big wooden panel that had holes in it and they would stick their legs in it and they would clamp their legs around it where they couldn't stand up. Sometimes they would even stretch their legs out into this stretching position to where they cramped up. Jeremiah was thrown into prison. Jeremiah was thrown into a dungeon. Why? All because he was speaking the word of the Lord. He was a prophet. He was prophesying the truth and they didn't like it. And so they persecuted him. How much of our life, we're not placed in prison. Maybe you have. I don't know. It happens. But for the majority of us, we haven't faced this type of persecution But how many times have people said, no, you need to shut up. You need to stop talking about Jesus in a workplace. You need to stop inviting me to church. You need to stop opening your Bible. You need to stop doing this and telling you, you can't do what the truth tells you to do because it doesn't fit our society. No. And when you stand up for what's right, when you declare the truth, when you stand on the foundation of what you're supposed to, and the world says, no, 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 and they begin to afflict you and persecute you, it's not fun. But he's saying, be patient. Be patient. No, it's not fun. No, it's not enjoyable. Don't you back away. Don't you stop, church. We can't stand on anything but the truth. I don't care what the world says. I care what the word says. And if it's there, I believe it. The government doesn't tell me what sexuality is. The world doesn't tell me what marriage is supposed to look like. My business doesn't tell me what I'm supposed to do with my money. The word of God does. And I stand on that. No matter what I face, no matter what somebody does to me, no matter what somebody says, to me or about me. We're going to be patient. We're going to be patient. But hear me clearly. Hear me very clearly. And I'm not saying that I, 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 I know I've 
I'm speaking very authoritatively here from the truth of God's word, not saying that I'm perfect and have this all together. But over the last couple weeks, and I've seen it for years now, but, 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 but specifically, the last couple weeks, it's just really been brought to my attention and been burdened my heart by the way Christians will say, I'm standing on the truth, but I hate you. I'm standing on the truth. God doesn't, like, you can't say you're standing on the truth and not love people the way you're supposed to and show grace to people the way that you're supposed to. And I see so many Christians in the name of Jesus being nothing but, but hateful and bitter towards the world. No, no. You gotta be patient. You gotta be patient with those who don't know Jesus. You can't expect them to act like Jesus because they don't know him. And so often when we face this persecution or when somebody that we know is saying something that goes against what we believe or against God's word, the first thing that goes out the window is patience and the first thing to come into the window is defense. And it'll get you nowhere. It doesn't mean we don't stand firm. It doesn't mean we back away from the truth. But it means as the prophet Jeremiah You can do whatever you want. Lock my legs up, put me in a dungeon, put me in a prison. I'm still going to declare the truth of the word. But I'm going to do it filled with grace, filled with truth, filled with love in a way that draws people to Christ. That's why we say we we guide people to life in Christ. You can't guide someone to life in Christ when all you do is say things that are hateful. Get to their heart instead of their actions. Let's be patient. Be patient. And guess what? We may face persecution until we leave this earth. And I would go as far to say it's guaranteed. I would also go as far to say, and I'm no, no, no prophet, I'm no one who wants to speculate on the end times. The Bible says no man knows the day and the hour, but I know one thing, as the farmer who's being patient, I'm gonna work diligently for the Lord, glorify him in all that I do, at least strive and seek to, and I'm gonna be patient until he calls me home or he comes here to get me. That's what we're called to do, church. We gotta be patient. And the last one is this. Then there was Job. And then there was Job. He says the farmers, he talks about prophets, specifically Jeremiah. And then there was Job. You and I know Job. Anytime we talk about patience, that's usually who we connect it to, right? In the Christian circles, Christian language, what do people say? You must have the patience of Job, right? Like Job, he went through a lot. Check this out. It says, behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. We already, we already saw that verse just to remind you. Patience is rewarding. You have heard of the steadfast you have heard of the steadfastness of Job and you have seen the purpose of the Lord how the Lord is compassionate and merciful You've heard of the steadfastness the patience of Job and through his steadfastness through his patience you've seen the purpose of the Lord compassionate and merciful Maybe you don't know about Job. Maybe you've never heard of Job. Let me tell you something. Job went through it all. God granted permission to the enemy to go after Job and test him, but could not touch him and could not hurt him. And through that, Job lost his cattle. 
Job lost his children. Job lost his house. Job lost his livelihood. Job lost his health. Job's wife said, curse God. Job's friends said, it's your fault. I don't know about you. That's enough. I don't know that I would be patient through that. I think I would be saying, God, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And hey, babe, you might be right. Maybe I should curse God. But no, he was patient. He endured. He was steadfast. Even when all of these things were happening, he was being attacked by the enemy. Things didn't make sense. He didn't answer. He didn't have answers to what was happening. I'm sure he was questioning and saying, God, why? But he never cursed God. He stayed patient. He stayed steadfast. And you know what happened through that? He got to experience the goodness of our Father, the compassion and the mercy that comes from him. And guess what happened? He got his health back. He got all his things back. Actually, he got it tenfold. He got more and more and more. Again, not prosperity. It's the goodness of our Father. He says, hey, there's rewards for being patient. I know more about this. I see more about this. If you'll hang on, if you'll stay steadfast, if you'll stay patient, I got something for you. And again, maybe it's not on this side of heaven. Back to the original context of what James is talking about. Maybe the reward is when we stay steadfast and we keep our head up and we keep loving people. We keep sharing the grace and the goodness of our Father with people, even when they cuss us out, even when they ridicule us, even when they tell us our Jesus is nothing but a fairy tale. We just keep loving. And then one day when Jesus shows up in those clouds and he comes to bring his children home, we say, there is my reward. And it'll far surpass any reward we receive on this side of heaven. We got to be patient. We got to be patient. Church, being patient doesn't mean you sit back and be quiet. Being patient doesn't mean you don't work. Being patient doesn't mean you stop pursuing him. Being patient doesn't mean you try to get lost souls into the family of God. Being patient doesn't mean you stop showing up at church and being encouraged and discipled and sharpened by a body of believers coming together to dive into God's word. Being patient doesn't mean you give up. Being patient doesn't mean you lose faith. Being patient doesn't mean anything other than I trust you. And I trust your timing. I trust your purpose. I trust that there's value in this. I trust there's a reason for this. I don't necessarily like it. I don't love it. I don't want it. I don't even feel like I need it. But there was a point in my life where I surrendered my life over to you completely. And that means all the areas of my life that I don't want to be patient in. And so therefore I stand and I choose to be patient. Church, are you being patient? What areas of your life 
do you need to be more patient in? I guess simply put. When you choose not to be patient, you're choosing not to trust Him. Patience is hard. Hard. Especially when we feel like there's things in front of us that we should be doing or could be doing to help and fix the situation. Again, I'm not saying don't use wisdom. I'm not saying don't work diligently. But what I'm saying is that we serve a God who's sovereign. He knows all. He can be all. He is all. And we have to be patient to wait on his timing in all things, including when he's going to come and rescue this world. It doesn't take much to look around and, and see the brokenness and see the questions and to say, what is going on? Can I remind you today that our hope, our trust, and our faith isn't rooted in any of that? And if it is, you got to root it in the right thing in his name is Jesus. Long before his first arrival, people were waiting and waiting and waiting. Where's this Messiah? The prophets have told us about it. Where is he? What's happening? In 400 years of silence, talking about being patient. And there he is. The arrival of the Savior of this world. Born in a city that had long been prophesied and foretold. He came to shake things up. He came to do things a little bit differently for all people. Let's be patient through persecution. Let's be patient through our unanswered prayers. Let's be patient through the misunderstandings. Let's be patient when we're going through things that we don't like. And let's be patient for the return of our Savior. He came first as a king. He's coming back as a judge. Our job is to love, lead, and reflect the image of Christ that we've been created in, that we've been covered in by the blood of Jesus. Let God be God. And let's be patient on waiting on his timing, a timing that's perfect. I love this quote, and I'll end with this. When it's not God's time, you can't force it. When it is his time, you can't stop it. Let's be patient. Let's trust him. Let's follow Jesus with all that we have. And let's show people we're not worried about what's going on. We're not concerned. We want all people to know about Jesus. But we're not worried because we're patient. Because we know the end 
of the story. And the king wins. <laughs> I love it. Church, I love you. And I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for all that God is doing in your life and in the life of our church. Let's be patient. Let's find those areas of our life where we need to have a little more patience. I want to pray for you and give an invitation to respond to the gospel. And then we'll have a couple announcements and we'll be done. But Father, we, we thank you. We thank you for this time that we have together. God, help us to be patient. Help us to trust you. God, I pray for those who, who don't know you today, who understand how powerful and mighty and sovereign you are, but also understand how personal you want to be. So personal that you want a relationship with every person at the sound of my voice. So I pray today for this individual who's listening to this message today who doesn't know you. I pray that they would ask for forgiveness for their sins, to understand that sin separates them from God and it will forever. And the only way to be connected in the presence of God is through the holy blood of Jesus. By surrendering their life, not just believing, it's not just head knowledge, but it goes to the heart and it comes out in our actions. We surrender every aspect of our life. I pray for that person today that makes that decision. They respond to the power of the Holy Spirit that's working in their heart right now, regenerating, making that heart new. God, I pray for each of us. Help us to be patient. Lord, we just thank you for who you are. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, church, I love you so much. I'm thankful for you. Hey, a couple quick things. Next Sunday, the 18th, I already mentioned it. If you can get in-house, make it happen, it's going to be a special day for multiple reasons, uh, but it is our last Sunday at Venue 757, and so uh, we're moving January 8th to Harborview. Um, we also are going to have a walkthrough service on January 1st if you are on a team. So maybe you want to kick off the new year, say, hey, I'm going to get back in person in church. I want to serve on a team. Jump on our website, uh, go to Next Steps and join a city team. Uh, fill out that information and somebody will reach out to you. If you want to do that, we'll contact you. We'll give you the information uh, for our team walkthrough. But on January 8th, our first public service service over in Suffolk, and uh, it's going to be an incredible time. I can't wait. And so between the 18th and January the 8th, uh, we will not have an online service on New Year's Day, but we will have one on Christmas Day. And so we're going to have a fun, family-friendly service with all of our staff. It's going to be an incredible time. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but it's going to premiere or air at 8 a.m. on Christmas Day, okay? Meaning we're starting it early and you can replay anytime you want. So if you're like my family, it's going to be 8 o'clock. We're already done with Christmas, right? Because we got up at 4 and my kids are running around everywhere, so I'll be ready for a nap by 8.30 after church. But anyways, maybe you're like somebody else's family. You're like, bro, we ain't getting up until 10. Uh, that's okay. You can get up, get your coffee, and go ahead and turn it on. After it premieres at 8 o'clock, you can watch it anytime, all day long, the next day, whenever you want. But we would encourage you to use this opportunity uh, as a way to, to spend time with your family, but to make Jesus 
a priority to worship together with your own uh, Christmas traditions. We're not devaluing Sunday service at all. We want you to spend time with your family growing together. There's no greater discipleship than what takes place in your home. And so use this as an opportunity uh, to share the main reason for the season. We look forward to it. Merry Christmas to each of you guys. We love you. We can't wait uh, for all that God has in store. And so we'll see you soon. I can't wait to see you. Go Cowboys.